0: I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Nights is never, never meant to be the will of God. So your body is not geared for working nights. I know my body is not geared for sleeping in the day. Because any time sunshine comes through my window, I just get, just all hyped up. So, so I, I, I. I'm not real uh, fond of working at nights, but uh, sometimes I'm running on fumes, but one day I won't have to worry about that, so the Lord is good. I don't know, tonight I really, I, I feel like I have a word from the Lord, and uh, I feel like I've got it on my notes an incomplete message, and uh, I don't like that feeling, but I know God's going to finish it. Man, it's good to see you all, all you young, fine men up here. You got my back. I mean, don't feel obligated to stand there all night. I don't want you guys to drop. Okay? But I feel I feel tonight that God is going to move in some hearts. And I'm not preaching for response tonight. I refuse to to preach for for your emotion or whatever. It's nice to have an amen. Cuz the last time I checked, God, we love them, but we're not Methodists and we're not Baptist folks. Uh, we don't sing with hymnals, and uh, we, but we're apostolic. And uh, from the last time I checked, we, have, we saved, uh, served the same God that poured out the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost with fire and with tongues and with wind. God never intended this church to be dead. God never intended this church to be morbid. This church is alive and it's just, it's just as alive in this last day as it ever has been. God didn't intend for this church to be uh, less powerful as it was in the day of its infancy. What He intended to do was to have it more powerful. He said that the latter reign would be greater than the former reign. God intended this last day church to be a power-packed church. Just as dark as this world is, God intended this, this, this church to be full of light. Amen? I don't want to preach before I get into preaching, but if you have your Bibles, open up to Colossians 2. One of my favorite all-time passages of Scripture. Colossians 2, 6 through 10. I feel like somebody's going to get baptized in Jesus' name. Did I just say that? I just put my foot in my mouth. The, no, it's just going to, I believe it's going to happen. At the end of service, at the end of service, if you want to be baptized in Jesus' name, I want you to, I want you to come talk to me. Because I believe that that's what God wants to do. It's the will of God. The Bible says it's the will of God for no man to perish, but there's people dying every day because men stand in the way of the will of God. It's the will of God tonight for somebody to receive the Holy Ghost. It's the will of God for somebody to be baptized in Jesus' name. And if it doesn't happen, it's because men stood in the way of it. Now, I'm telling the truth, right? So tonight, it's the will of God. So if you want to be in the will of God, you get baptized in Jesus' name. That's right. Amen. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Say, it's all, about Jesus. it's all about Jesus. Talking about Jesus rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware. You've ever seen that sign, beware of a dog? It means your complete attention. You better be on your toes. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him, for in Christ, for in Jesus, in Jesus Christ dwelleth the fullness, of the Godhead bodily, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name. For in Him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him which is the head of all principality and power. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the head of all principality and power. It says that ye are complete in Him. So, if you have Jesus, you have everything. If you have Jesus, you have the Holy Ghost. If you have Jesus, you have the Father. He said you're complete in Him. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. I don't need anything else. Because if I have Jesus, I'm complete. That word complete, you know what that word complete means? It means full assurance. And complete assurance. You're complete. There's nothing else that you need in your life if you have Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated in Jesus' name if you want to. But you're not going to stay there, I'll tell you that. the pages of history they write that herod was the herod the great was born in 73 bc And to give a brief description of herod his name had been mentioned with the likes of, of saddam hussein and adolf hitler among other tyrants throughout history he was the su- successful ruler of a kingdom that pro- provided stability in a turbulent region, and one of the greatest builders of architects in the history, erecting fortresses, palaces, and entire cities. He regrettably lived in the shadows of Rome, he, who installed him just to maintain power. They... Uh, saw something in him that was very, uh, a great, uh, uh, he had a great leadership ability and uh, Rome witnessed it. They understood it and so they put him in power. You could say that he was merely a pawn for the Roman Empire. He was uh, only in power because they made him to be so. Not only was Herod infatuated with his own presence, and with his own power. He also lived his life in anger because uh, he didn't fit in with Rome, nor did he fit in with the Jews. His father was from southern Palestine. His mother was an Arab. Herod, being from Palestine, uh, had only merely converted to Judaism. He would not fit in with the Roman people because he was not Roman, so he could not rule in Rome. So. The best thing that they could do with Herod was to send him into the people of God to try to put his thumb on the people of God, greatly wishing he was a Jew, but only a joining member. And that's, he just converted, and, and, and that's all he was. He was a converted Jew. His ambition was to be in great power, and he would stop at nothing to achieve what he set out to do. In popular memory, popular memory, Herod inevitably, inevitably associated with the massacre of innocents. He killed his own wife. He killed his wife's brother. He killed their own his own grandfather, and his own three sons. He killed numerous of people that he assumed that would eventually be a threat to his kingdom. Anyone that he killed, he did it out of paranoia. Worried that somebody would take the throne away from him. History claims that the victims were too many to count. Many innocent men and women were taken to their homes. They burnt, were burnt alive. They were crucified. They were beheaded. They were boiled in oil. They were gutted. And they were hung up and set on fire just to uh, uh, to, uh, to light up the town city. And that was... That was what he did. He lived death. He lived to uh, try to uh, bully people into thinking that he was the greatest thing on the planet. And that's all he was uh, good for, was to uh, bully people. I'm trying to find the word. He intimidated people. Isn't that just like the devil? The Bible says in the second chapter of Matthew that the Virgin Mary gave birth to the Savior and the Redeemer of this world, the one called Jesus Christ. And it was written that there were three wise men came from the east wanting to worship that infant Jesus. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, he was distraught. Herod, being the so-called king of Israel, began to feel threatened. And the thought of somebody taking his kingdom away from him, it drove him crazy. He began to lose sleep at night. It it drove him crazy. He didn't want to eat anything. Uh, He was just sick of worrying about people trying to take his kingdom from him and then he gathered all the priests and all the scribes together and he demanded of them where jesus christ should be born he made the excuse he said i would like to take him gifts That's why I want to know where the one is going to be born. I want to give him gifts. And they told him that he was to be born in Bethlehem, just like the prophet had foretold. And the prophet said, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art art not the least among the princes of Judah. And out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people in Israel." I believe at that very moment when they spoke those words to Herod, I believe that the king's blood began to boil. I believe that his blood pressure went exactly to the roof. The prophet's words had just put him out of a job because he heard the one called Jesus that was going to eventually be the king of Israel and I'm going to tell you something, the Bible went on to tell that Herod's anger began to grow because no one would tell him exactly where Jesus was located. So Herod becomes so paranoid that he took the eight boys ages from two and under and he began to slaughter them in hopes that Jesus would be one of them. Now, I'm I'm, I'm getting ready to quit giving you a history lesson. But we're getting ready to have church. You hear me? I'm going somewhere. To me, there is something extremely incredible about this historical event. Don't get me wrong. I, I find it rather despicable that someone could do such a cowardly thing like kill a bunch of babies. Just to find one. Just to find one, he went into homes and he took mothers' babies out of their arms and he threw them in the rivers. He nailed them to crosses. He beheaded them. He cut them in half. A powerful king like Herod. He was one of the great architects of this world. He was fiercely, uh, scared. people were scared of him. He was wealthy. He was protected by all of the Roman Empire. He had exactly no remorse to the ones that he killed. He wasn't scared of anything. He wasn't scared of anything. But somehow, even though that he was as powerful and fierce as he was even though that he had the whole Roman army in his corner waiting to fight for him, even though that he had no feelings of the innocent victims and bodies and his wife and his three sons and his grandfather and a bunch of babies, he wasn't remorseful about any of it. He didn't have any kind of feelings one way or the other. I come tonight to tell you, that even though he was as powerful as he was, he was scared of a baby boy named Jesus. Hallelujah. I come to let somebody know tonight. I come to give somebody here good news. I come here tonight to give you hope that even though that the domain of hell may look powerful and look vicious and look... Like it cannot be taken down. Can I tell you that all of hell trembles at the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You should be excited about that. Can I tell you that as powerful as the devil is in this world tonight, as much as ha- havoc as he's caused in this world, when the name of Jesus begins to utter, all of hell begins to tremble. I don't think we realize how powerful we are. I don't think you realize how powerful this church is. Can I tell you this? That the only thing that makes the devil tremble is the people of the name. I come tonight preaching to a bunch of people that's been blood-bought, baptized in the precious name of Jesus. There ain't no devil in hell that would walk up to you without trembling. If you've been blood-bought and baptized in the name of Jesus, you've got the same power that Jesus had. Hallelujah. 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 You know why we live in fear? You know why we live in fear? Because we're not really truly convinced who we truly are. If the devil could just realize who my dad is, We would think twice about unleashing sickness and diseases and cancer on the people of God. If we would start reminding the devil who we are and stop cowering down behind rocks like our dad doesn't love us, our dad loves us. He's got our back. We carry the greatest name that has ever been uttered. Hallelujah if we, listen to me, if we were solely convinced of who we are, we would walk into the streets and we would start laying hands on the sick. We would start casting out devils. That's why the Apostle Paul and Peter stood in adversity and and they were threatened. They were, they they was beheaded and boiled in oil and stoned to death. And I'm telling you, they still stood there. I'll tell you why. Because they was convinced that they were the people of the name. They were convinced that they carried the great If we could only understand how powerful we are, we would have less sleepless nights. We would have less panic attacks. We would have less depression and oppression. If we could just, I'm telling the devil's fighting me right now, but I'm telling you right now, I'm going to break through this. Do you understand who you are? You're the child of the Most High God. You're not getting it. You listen to me. When the devil starts attacking your family and your home, you need to stand up instead of running and then cowering and hiding somewhere. You need to stand up and look at him in the face and say, Devil, you've come and talked to the wrong person. I've been baptized by the precious name of Jesus. I've been blood-bought. If you forgot, devil, I'm completing Jesus. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh my. I thought that was going to go over better than what I thought I get so righteously angry at hell Because he attacks our home I can't stand bullies And that's exactly what the devil is He's a bully I remember as a child, when I got bullied, the first thing I did—I no, no offense, ladies—I didn't come and get mama. I come and got my dad. The devil come knocking when somebody kept bullying me. I went and got daddy because I knew dad had authority and I knew dad had big muscles. Can I tell you this? We need to stop answering the door when the devil comes and knocking. We need to get hold of dad and say, Dad, you need to answer the door. If you're tired of losing battles, you need to stop fighting them on your own. You need to find dad. That's not a cowardly way out. I'm going to stand right behind Dad because Dad has authority and Dad can cast out devils. That's the only way it's going to happen. Hallelujah. What happened to us? We've thrown Jesus out. First thing we do when we get sick or we get depressed, we go find a pill to try to make us feel better. Why in the world is Jesus our last resort? I'm going to go one step further. No offense. I'm, I'm adding me to this. When we get sick, why do we run the... No. Respect. Respect. Why do we go to Him? 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 Let me tell you something. When you're lying in bed at night and you're sick or you're confused or you're depressed, can I tell you that not the best thing to do is to call His number? Because He can only pray. But you serve the same Jesus that He served. You need to go find your dad. But obviously he entered into the time in which the name of Jesus is under intense fire and scrutiny from the leaders of our world. It just makes me so sick. <laughs> Taking prayer out of schools, I know it. I hate it. And it angers me. It angers me when, when my son comes home and tells me, or my sons come home and tell me, Oh, Dad, we can't talk about Jesus in our school, but they can talk about Muhammad. And at first, I get angry, a carnal anger. And it just frustrates the time out of me. And I start pointing my fingers and blaming leaders. First of all, I'm going to tell you, it's not our leader's fault. It's mom and dad's across the world's fault. But then I get to thinking, I step back and look at the bigger picture of why they don't want Jesus talked about in the school. Why do not, they, they, they don't want the Ten Commandments on the lawns of our courthouse? Why don't they want to pray anymore uh, before the uh, the baseball, basketball games? And why don't we want to talk about God? But when, if you're, this is going out on, is this getting recorded? I may have graffiti written on my house before it's over with. I, I get so sick. Throw away the politically correctness. I'm just over it. I get sick of it. That it's okay if you're a Muslim. That at a certain time of the day. They get down. And they begin to pray. And they begin to pray out to Allah and Muhammad. Nobody cares about it. And it makes me angry. Until I get to thinking about this. That's the reason that they don't get angry because those Muslims are laying down on the floor is because Allah is still in the grave and He's no threat. Yeah. And it starts making me happy to know that the devil is so stinking terrified. He don't want the name of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus walked into a grave. And he busted down the doors right into hell. And he walked out. With keys to death, hell, and the grave. And he kicked the devil in the teeth. Can I tell you that the devil wasn't even safe in his own home. And Jesus didn't even have to have a key to walk in. He walked in and he said, I know you thought I was dead, but now I'm in charge. That's why they don't want prayer in the schools. They're scared to death. Because the devil knows what happened 2,000 years ago when he nailed him to a cross. And then he got up three days later. Hallelujah! 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 hallelujah, Good Puts it in different perspective, doesn't it? It makes me happy because if you weren't a threat. If you and I were not a threat, they wouldn't try to shut our doors. If we weren't a threat, they wouldn't be painting junk on our church building. But since we're a threat, the devil's going to do everything in his power to confuse you and depress you and beat you down. You ought to take that as a compliment. My goodness, but problem—it seems that that spirit to shut the the name of Jesus off and has seeped into our churches. And I don't want to offend anybody in here, but I'm just going to tell you the truth: when the Catholics Come up with a baptismal formula: the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That was the spirit of Antichrist. It was. It was. But you, know, you brother, heal. They're, they're they're doing it out. Uh, they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it. Out, they think that they're doing it right, uh, the right way. But when you start leaving the name of Jesus out of it, yes. that the Bible says that there's no name, no other name. No given among men whereby we must be saved it says that his name is a strong tower and the righteous and Matthew 28:19 says go you therefore baptizing them in the name not titles in the name of the of the father And of the Son and the Holy Ghost. And they did that on the day of Pentecost in the second book of Acts. They went out and baptized people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, which was Jesus Christ. There's the only name. If you're baptized any other way, you may as well just swim. You just got wet. But they've taken it out of our churches. And it's seeped into our apostolic churches too. I've got buddies that have preached, uh, that, that was preached this for years, and they're fall, dropping off like flies. And now it doesn't really matter how you baptize. Or if you do it at all. But it has seeped into our churches. And they've left out the name of Jesus. Why? Because they want to draw crowds and, and they want to appease people and they would rather have more people to come. They forget about the scriptures. And I didn't plan on saying all this, but they forget about they forget about the scriptures that said Broad is the way to destruction. And narrow is the gate to heaven. And so there's all going to be all kinds of religions leading you straight to hell. But unless you go on the straight, in the straight gate, in the narrow gate, which Jesus said, I am the door. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ was access to the Father. And if you go any other way, You're a thief and a robber. So unless you have the name of Jesus applied to your life, you're not saved. But I will not let anything or any voice keep me from preaching this truth. I don't care how popular it may be. The Bible tells me that I'm complete in Jesus' name and if I'm complete, there ain't nothing else that I need. Because I know that there is power in the name of Jesus. I know that there's healing in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance in the name of Jesus. Devils are cast out in the name of Jesus. Drug addictions have to leave in the name of Jesus. Depression has to leave in the name of Jesus. Blinded eyes are open in the name of Jesus. Deaf are unstopped in the name of Jesus anything that I need I'm going to get through the name of Jesus Listen to me. David said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom will I trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. He's my everything. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it, and they are safe. If I've got Jesus' name, I don't need anything else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip some stuff I want to read this though Wealthy man And his son They loved to collect rare artwork and They had everything in their collection From Picasso to Raphael Michelangelo And they had often sit together And admire the great arts, uh, works of art When he went, his son had to go to Vietnam when Vietnam broke out. He was very courageous and he died in battle while rescuing another soldier. The father was notified and grieved deeply for his son, his only son he had. About a month later, just before Christmas, there was a knock at this man's door. A young man stood at the door with a large package in his hand. He said, Sir, you don't know me. But I'm the soldier for whom your son gave his life for. He saved many lives that day, and he was carrying me to safety when a bullet struck him in the heart, and he died instantly. He often talked about you, sir. He loved your art, and he thought about the many nights that you all set and talked about the artwork. It was his life. And the young man held out this package. I know... This isn't much. But he said, I really am not a great artist, but I think your son would have wanted this. The father opened the package, and it was a portrait of his son painted by the young man. He stared in awe at the way the soldier had captured the personality of his son in the painting. The father was so drawn to the eyes, and it was his eyes. His eyes began to well up in tears because he had captured the very essence of this young man's face. He thanked the young man and offered to pay him for the portrait. He said, oh no, sir, I could never repay you for, your, for what your son did for me. It was a, It's just a gift. I want you to have it free of charge. The father, he hung the portrait over his mantle. And every time somebody would come to his home, he took them to see the portrait of his son before he showed him the great Uh, Artwork that he had collected over the years, millions of dollars. But he wanted him to see the sun. That's what he was interested in. The man died a few months later and there was a great auction, auction in his paintings. Many influential people gathered around excited, overseeing the great paintings and having an opportunity to purchase one of their great collections. On the platform set the painting of the sun. The auctioneer pounded his gavel. And he started bidding for the portrait of the sun. Who will bid for this painting? And there was a complete silence. Then a voice in the back of the room shouted. He said, we want to see only the famous paintings. We didn't come here for that. Skip this one, will you? But the auctioneer persisted. Well, someone bid for this painting. Who will start the bidding? $100, $200. Another voice shouted in anger. We didn't come to see this painting. We came to see the Rembrandts. Get the real bidding going. But still, the auctioneer continued. The sun, the sun. Who will take the sun? Finally, a voice from the very back of the room cried out. It was the longtime gardener of the man and his son. He said, I will give you ten dollars for that painting. He was a poor man that all he could afford was just ten dollars. And the auctioneer said, ten, who will give twenty? Give it to him for ten, he said. Let's see the Rembrandts. Let's see the Masters. We don't want to see the one. Give him the bid for ten dollars. Nobody else would give him any more money. The crowd became angry and didn't want the painting of the sun. They wanted the more worthy investment for their collections. And the auctioneer, he pounded his gavel. Going once, going twice, sold for $10. A man sitting on the second row shouted, Now let's get on with the real collection. The auctioneer laid the gavel down and he began to walk away. He said, I'm sorry, the auction is over. When I was called to conduct this auction, he said, he said, I was told there was a secret stipulation in the will. I was not allowed to reveal the stipulation until this time. Only the painting of the sun would be auctioned. Whosoever bought the painting of this sun, he said, would get everything else. If you don't want the Son, you're not getting anything. If you don't chase after the Son, you don't get anything. Why? Because when you have the Son, you're completing Him. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, you get everything. You get all the riches of the Father. Let's all stand. I'm done, but I'm not done. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All over this place, let's raise our hands to Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 There is an anointing in this place right now that I'm not going to let go until I feel it released. God is here right now. He wants to cleanse minds. I want you to hear me. God wants to deliver you right now. In the name of Jesus. God wants to heal you right now. In the name of Jesus. You're not going to find any healing or deliverance outside the name of Jesus. I'll tell you that right now. The only way that you're going to get healing in your mind and in your body and in your spirit is through the Son, of Je- uh, the Son, which is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'm open this altar to everybody, but I'm going to especially open this altar to people that need salvation, that need to be baptized in Jesus' name, people that need to be delivered in their body and healing in their body. Sister Christina, do you feel like coming down here? Here's a lady, I'm sure she doesn't feel like being here tonight. but She's chasing after the, the sun. That's where her answer is. Now, if you've ever prayed a prayer of faith in your life, I want you to pray it right now. Let me say something. Yes. Okay. Oh, at the beginning of this service, and even beginning this morning... There's been a spirit of victory that has been in this church. You felt it this morning. We felt it tonight. And I believe that is a confirmation. I felt the, the working of miracles in this place tonight still here. And I believe that if we can speak the word of faith, I believe God is going to give a miracle, whether it be Sister Christina or if anybody else is here and needs a miracle from God. God is here to perform a miracle. We're going to speak that. If you would raise your hand if you need a miracle tonight.